when we're hurting and we decide I need to be vulnerable, I want to be vulnerable with somebody, we take a risk on how are they going to receive this? How are they going to treat me? Because we could often walk away more jacked up <laughs> than what we were when we started to be vulnerable in the beginning, right? What's going on, gang? This is episode five of our shift to Sanity Sessions, Real Talk, Real Trauma. And I'm back in these streets with part two of ways to keep a traumatic event from becoming unresolved trauma. As per our listeners, there was a request for us to delve a little deeper into that. Because let's be honest, last week we unpacked some really heavy stuff and I wanted to break it down even further. So let's jump in. What's going on, gang? We are back with your favorite Philly girl, licensed psychologist, Dr. Dawn Galette Crossan. And I'm glad to be back with you today. And last week, I heard from a few of our listeners that thoroughly enjoyed the episode and loved the tips on keeping a traumatic event from becoming unresolved trauma. So first, let me say thank you so much for reaching out. It's always good to hear from you because I, I want to know. I want to know how you're feeling. I want to know what you think and all those types of things. So thank you so much. One of the things that was mentioned to me that we needed to hear a little bit more about the steps in particular, the steps surrounding yourself with safe, supportive people. So if you remember last week, I mentioned that it's important during your process, during your healing process or during your process um, in terms of keeping the event from becoming unresolved trauma. I said it's very important to surround yourself with safe, supportive people. So that was something that you guys asked to hear a little bit more about. So last week I said that these people should be non-judgmental people. And so you guys, you know, we're going to talk about that. And then the other feedback was hearing more information on choosing a therapist to help with the process. Now, I'm not sure if we're going to get to that piece today. If not, I'll make sure that's next week's session. OK, but you want to hear a little bit more about choosing the right therapist. And also, if you are not jibing or clicking with your therapist, what to do. So let's begin. So I call those people that are safe, supportive and non-judgmental our tribe our tribe. So if you listen to season one, go back to season one before we went to the shift, I talked a little bit and described what our tribe consists of or should consist of and what it is. But I believe, and the research also supports that we all need a tribe. Now you may not call them a tribe, but after I talk a little bit more about who they are, you will know what I'm talking about. But a tribe is a group of folk that just gets us. You know, just those people that we don't have to put on airs. We don't have to sugarcoat anything. They just get us. They understand who we are and they get us. This group are people that we feel safe to be vulnerable with, vulnerable with. So let's, 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 let's define what vulnerability means. What does that mean? So being vulnerable is necessary in the healing process. Let me just start with that. Being vulnerable requires letting down our defenses and being transparent. And whenever we do that, whenever we let down our defenses, whenever we are transparent, we take a risk. We take a risk on how we are going to be received. And we also take a risk on how we're going to be treated, especially when we're hurting. When we're hurting and we decide I need to be vulnerable, I want to be vulnerable with somebody. We take a risk on how are they going to receive this? How are they going to treat me? Because we could often walk away more jacked up <laughs> than what we were when we started to be vulnerable in the beginning, right? 
Being vulnerable requires letting down our defenses. Unresolved trauma, there often comes walls, barriers, and defenses that are a result of us being wounded and being violated and harmed. So that's just that just comes along with trauma. We often just develop these huge barriers where we will not let people in. People can't get in so easily. That's not always a bad thing, but we want to be mindful that if a person has proven to us who they are and shown us to be a viable, good person to us, we don't want to push them away. We want to be able to let them in. But again, often as a result of trauma, we don't. We tend to put the wall up and not let in people, even good people. But in contrast, some people that experience trauma, they can become too trusting and let everybody in. People that don't really deserve to be in their circle, people that have shown them repeatedly that they're not for them, people that have harmed them consistently. Sometimes as a result of trauma, people can be so in need of that validation and love. And there's nothing wrong with that. But because of the trauma and the residuals of the trauma, it can leave us choosing the wrong types of people to to, to do that with, to open up with, right? So in either circumstances, when we choose to be vulnerable, whether we have unresolved trauma or not, it's important that the people we choose are equipped to handle it. So what does that mean? Let's talk about what does that mean when we say the person should be equipped to handle it? So some questions that we want to ask ourselves to identify whether or not this person is a viable candidate or if this person is equipped. Maybe these are some things you ask yourself. How close do I consider myself to this person? And do they demonstrate the same behavior towards me? So in other words, we may think we're close to someone, but do that person think they're close to us? Is the relationship reciprocal, right? So is it balanced? Now, very few relationships are going to be 50-50 all the time. You know, I would say sometimes it's almost impossible. But when I say reciprocal, I'm there for them. They're there for me. Um, we're, we listen to each other. Sometimes it may look like 60, 40. Sometimes it may look like 30, 70 on either end. But there's a give, a mutual give and take. And again, very few relationships are 100% 50-50, you know. But we want to make sure the person shows up for me when I need them and how they show up. How do they show up? Do they show up in a safe way with safe resources, safe recommendations or safe um, ideas in terms of coping? Or when they show up, do I leave feeling worse than how I came? So those are important things that we want to look at. Sometimes we may find that we are more connected to others than they are to us and vice versa. Sometimes people feel that they're closer to us than what we think they are. And so when we're making the decision, we want to kind of look at that. Is this relationship reciprocal? Do they see me the way that I see them? Now, if you are unsure, if you're unsure about where that relationship might stand, and I'm not talking necessarily about romantic. So when you hear Dr. Dawn, me talk about relationships, I'm talking about platonic. I'm talking about romantic as well, a lot of times. And I will qualify when I'm not talking about, uh, you know, them exclusive, when I'm not talking about them together. I will say I'm specifically talking about romantic and I'm specifically talking about friendships. But for the most part, I will talk about relationships in general. So I just want to put that out there. But if you're unsure, 
it's a good time to ask that tough question or have a discussion with that person that you think is a good person to be vulnerable with. Just ask them like, hey, I, 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 I want to discuss some things with you. And, you know, I see you as a, a close confidant. Is that how you see me? X, Y and Z. But I caution you. I want to be I want to caution you with this one. No matter what the person tells you, no matter what they say back, if their actions do not match their words, they may not be a good choice right now to be vulnerable with. Or they may not be a person that is the right fit for your tribe. Now, because sometimes people uh, will say the right thing because they really want to show up for us. They really want to be there. But it's important for you to be able to look at their actions. So you may go to someone and say, hey, are we, you know, are we in a space where I can come to you and talk to you about something that's, you know, pretty painful for me right now? And that person may feel like I want, I want to be there for them. So I'm going to say yes. But if you think about the interactions you had with them over the last several months or however long you guys have been connected and you have no evidence to show that they're capable of doing that, you should trust the evidence. Don't trust what they say. Trust the evidence. What's the evidence that I have with this person that they can show up the way I need them to show up? The next thing you may want to consider is, is that person a good listener? Are they a good listener? You know, when I talk to them, do I feel like they're listening to me? Now, everyone's not going to be a therapist. I had to learn that. I had to learn that in my journey with my tribe and with my friends. Everyone's not going to give therapist level listening skills. Like, you know, that's just not their gift, right? But there is nothing worse than needing support from someone and the person you are sharing with makes it about them. And you know, you know the people I'm talking about because I know the people that I'm talking about. And I'm sure that we've all made that mistake at some time where we're listening and we say, yeah, you know, I went through something similar. And somehow we kind of get off on us and our experience. So we're no, nobody's perfect here, right? I'm, I'm a, a licensed psychologist. I'm far from perfect. So I'm sure that we've done that here and there, right? But it's not something that we want to see as a habitual thing with the person that we're deciding like, Hey, I need to confide in you or, hey, I need this person to be a viable person in my tribe. But it's nothing worse than that when they turn the entire conversation about them and their struggles. Nobody likes that, right? I'm in pain. I need to talk to you and I'm coming to you and you want to make it about you. Or when you talk to them, they have little to no feedback to give you because you're not talking about them. So this person would look something like if if they're talking to you about them. They, they chatty batty. They talk and talk and talk to the point where you're just like, wow, I can't get a, a, a breath an inch wise. But when you go to talk to them about what's happening with you, they're silent and they're not silent because they're listening. They're literally silent because they have nothing to offer you. Now, we don't want to demonize these people and we're not saying that they're bad people, but they may not be the person at this time that you need to be sharing and being transparent with in your as you're trying to, you know, not let something turn into unresolved trauma, right? They might not be the person and they may not be somebody that's in your inner circle in your tribe. Because keep in mind your tribe, you know, you can have people outside of your tribe that's connected to you. I have plenty of people that's connected to me. I enjoy time with them. We may do things together, a lot of things together. We may spend a lot of time together, but they are not part of my tribe. There's only five people that I consider to be part of my inner, inner sanctum tribe, you know, now, but I do have quite a few people that I love, that I, I feel that are supportive and that I spend, I spend maybe a lot of time with, but they're not part of my tribe because I, they're not equipped. And, and it's, that, that's not a bad thing because we are all not equipped to be a part of somebody's tribe. You know, I have clients that 
have people that's part of their tribe that they may go out and have drinks with. So, you know, if you're not if you're a non-drinker, that might be some you may not be a good candidate for that person's tribe. That doesn't make you a bad person. You're just not a good candidate for that person's tribe. So keep in mind that this isn't about bad people or horrible people or not good enough people. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about what I need in terms of you know, my process, especially when we're looking at something not becoming unresolved trauma. Okay. So back to this person, this person, you know, in this particular situation, if you're talking to a person and they have little to no feedback because they are not talking about themselves and they, they're not even able to say things like, I'm sorry that you're going through this. Is there anything I could do to help? I'm here for you. None of that. They just, they just don't got nothing for you. They're almost just looking at you like a, uh, um, a deer caught in headlights. That person is probably not a person to to give your your jewels to right now because it's it's not going to help you. It may not help you. It may not soothe you. Um, now, when we when you know we want to be mindful when we're talking about this type of person that it that it may just be that they lack skills. Don't want you walking away thinking that they don't care about you because we're not talking about that. They just may not be able to give you what you need in that moment. Now, let's switch gears to the next part. Now, we talked about the person being a safe, supportive person. We talked about a person being a good listener. Now we want to talk about non-judgmental. So what does that mean when we say non-judgmental? So when you think about someone that is non-judgmental, first of all, let's be honest. We all have said some things that may have been a little judgy at some point, right? We're all human. We're all human. So we may have said something that probably was not the best thing to say at that time that might have came off a little judgy. So if you're if you find yourself having done that or or, you know, are likely to do that, don't be too hard on yourself, because I think we all at some point have been that way within our friend groups. It can get a little sticky because. You know, our friends, especially black and brown women, we come to each other because sometimes we really want to hear people's opinions. Right. And when we're giving our opinions, it could come off judgy, even when it's not our intent. So those are some disclaimers. But uh, but when when you think about judgmental, think of it in terms of somebody that may sound like or feel like you are less than less than for making a choice or reacting the way that you are reacting. I should have made a different choice in the particular situation or I should feel differently. Now, I'm going to give I'm going to give you more information about that as we go, because there's times when we should make a different choice. You know, like we can't be hauling off, choking nobody out, chopping nobody in their throats, you know, physical aggression, you know, things like that. There's times when we just can't do that kind of stuff. Right. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But we're talking about in those moments when we're feeling and we're in pain and we're sharing something and we're and we're 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 trying to. To, to, you know, to get what we need so that we can be in a healthy space from our friend or our support group. We're talking about in those instances, statements that make us feel bad for how we feel or make us feel bad for how we reacted. Those are those tend to be what we consider to be judgment. OK, so those statements may sound like, girl, why are you crying? Why are you crying? I thought you were stronger than that. Or I thought you were better than that. Or I would never be that hurt. Why are you so hurt over that? Why does that bother you? Just get over it. That doesn't bother me. Those types of things don't bother me. Crying is a waste of time. If you were stronger, you would be over it by now. You know, something's going on with you. Something's just ain't right. Those types of things. Judgment, judgmental responses tend to lack uh, validation of our feelings. They tend to just not validate what we're experiencing or what we're going through. Now, I want to be careful and I do want to point out that there is a difference 
between someone being honest with us and someone judging us. So that's what I was talking about earlier when I said, um, you know, we can't be hauling off choking somebody out or chopping somebody in their throat. So if our friend says, uh, you know, you can't you can't be knocking people out. If you take that as being judgment, I understand. But you can catch charges. So you want to be mindful <laughs> that your friend is being honest with you and they may be trying to protect you. So there is there, there's a fine line there. And but honestly, that fine line is going to vary depending on what you need. So I can't tell you because um, there are statements that are said that some people don't find to be judgment, judgmental, but someone else may find to be judgmental. And again, this is a personal thing that you can only examine for yourself. But we want honest people around us. We don't want people around us that's just going to co-sign on our mess because then we're never going to grow. We need people that's going to challenge us on our behaviors, challenge us on our thinking patterns and challenge us on whatever moves that we're making that may be unhealthy. We need those types of people in our lives. And if we're honest, sometimes when we want to do things that we know deep down inside that are counterproductive. If someone, a rational person in our tribe tells us that that is probably not a good idea, we can we can we can say that that's judgment. We feel judged or we feel that it's judgmental, even though deep down in our hearts, we know it's not a good idea. So we got to be careful with that one. It is a fine line. Okay, so I do think we have time to jump into the therapist portion of it. So let's do that next. All right. So we are back with the two questions about therapy. So let's jump in. The questions are how to choose a therapist in general, but in particular to help us in our process of keeping a traumatic event from becoming unresolved trauma. And the next one is how to what to do when we are not clicking or connecting with our current therapist or with a therapist. Okay. first, I want to share that it is best to seek out a therapist to help us after a traumatic event. The sooner we start the therapeutic process, the better the chances are of that event not becoming unresolved trauma. Okay. If you're looking for a therapist, you want to first do your research. So if you're looking for a certain therapist, do your research. If they have a website, go to their website. Okay. If you're getting a referral from a friend, ask your friend bunches of questions. Most therapists have a website. I have a website, but I don't have a whole lot on my website about me. A lot of therapists have Instagram, Facebook pages, um, providing a lot of therapeutic support. So that's also an option. Do a deep dive into their Instagram pages, their professional Instagram page as well. Uh, in particular, not their private Instagram page, but their professional Instagram page. And find out what are the things they're posting, what are some of the things that they tend to support in terms of therapeutic modalities and those types of things, okay? But you need to do your research, okay? Sometimes therapists are open to meeting you in person prior to starting treatment or even a phone conversation prior to starting treatment. I do that as a rule of thumb. I meet with people sometimes one-on-one just to get to know each other, get to feel, feel each other out. And then sometimes I will do a phone conversation as well just to make sure there is a connection or that we that it's a good fit. So many therapists are open to that, especially in the newer in this newer time. So if that is an option, schedule some time and meet with that person or talk to that person. And then in that meeting and in that time, you want to be sure to have your questions ready. And we'll talk a little bit more about what those questions should look like or could look like. Um, but you want to make sure those questions are important to you. And again, it's going to be relative, but I'll give you some ideas. Now, if you experienced a traumatic event and you are looking for a trauma therapist, 
which is what we're talking about in, uh, overall, then you would want to ask questions surrounding the therapist's experience with trauma. That's important. So some of those questions can look like, are you a trauma therapist or a trauma-informed therapist? Because there is a difference between being a trauma therapist and a trauma-informed therapist. Let me explain. All therapists are to be trauma-informed. That is, that is something that every therapist should be. That means to understand that a person is more likely to have a history of trauma than not and to understand the role that the trauma may play in that person's life. So the aim of being trauma informed is not to re-traumatize a person or blame a person for their traumatic event or their responses. And the thought process with being a trauma informed provider, it shifts from what's wrong with the person to what has happened to a person, which is two different things. What's wrong with you indicates something inherently being broken versus something happened to you that should not have happened that is causing your responses. So that is that is trauma informed care in a nutshell. And not only are therapists um, being are to be trauma informed, but it's many school districts are requiring teachers go through the trauma informed training uh, offices, practices, um, uh, medical uh, practices as well. All are requiring <clears throat> all are moving and shifting towards requiring staff to be trauma informed. But there there is a difference between being trauma informed versus being a trauma therapist. And once again, all therapists should be trauma informed. But a trauma therapist is a therapist trained in an empirically evidence-based trauma model. So if a therapist identifies as a trauma therapist, be sure to ask them what empirically evidence-based trauma model have they been trained in? That is important because again, there is a difference between being trauma-informed and being a trauma therapist. So that is an important question to ask. What model, what empirically evidence-based trauma model do you utilize? And once they tell you about that model, once they give you that name, ask some questions about that model. Is that model, uh, you know, does that model apply to my my particular population, um, my gender or those types of things? So other questions really are going to depend on your preferences, but it can include things such as is the therapist experience with working with the population that you identify with, whether it's African-American, um, Hispanic, Caucasian, whatever population you identify with gender wise, whether you're male, female, sexuality, is this therapist qualified or accustomed to working with this population? I would look more to qualify and accustomed. How many years of experience do they have? Are they accustomed to working with particular circumstances that you're dealing with or your particular diagnoses? If you've been diagnosed, do they have experience with that? And if they do have experience with that, how many years of experience do they have? During the conversation with the therapist, you want to gauge your comfortability level. How do I feel? Do I feel comfortable with this person? Do I like this person? Do I think that I can open up to this person? Do I feel like I can learn or glean from this person? Do I feel like this person can help me? What is your gut telling you about that person? Trust that in that moment, okay? Because you haven't entered into a therapeutic relationship or alliance with them as of yet. So how do you feel about them? Do they seem like they really can help me? So that is if you're looking for a therapist and you have not already had one. So you're not already in a therapeutic relationship. Now, if you already have a therapist and you are not jibing with that therapist or connecting with that therapist, this can be a little bit more complicated because sometimes after starting treatment, 
Clients can become a little disgruntled or a little displeased with their therapist if they feel that the therapist doesn't agree with them or that they are being challenged on unhealthy behaviors, relationships, thinking patterns, things that the client may be um, used to doing, comfortable doing, even though they know it might not be the best thing to do. They may get a little frustrated if the if the therapist doesn't align or agree with the direction that they're going in. So that is that's, that's, that's that makes it a little bit more complicated. So we want to be sure that we are actually not jibing with the therapist versus being frustrated because they're not agreeing with us or challenge or or being frustrated because they're challenging us. We want to be sure that is that that we're not jibing and not be and, and make sure that it's not us just being mad because they didn't co-sign on what we wanted to do that we know we shouldn't be doing it in the first place because a good therapist should challenge us a good therapist should challenge us it shouldn't be all tell me how that makes you feel well what do you think about what you're thinking it shouldn't all be that a good therapist should challenge us and get us to think introspectively like hmm that might not be the best thing okay um, and, and in fact, the research shows that in general, black and brown populations just do not respond to traditional therapy where there is there can often be no challenge. Not all, not all therapy, uh, traditional therapies are like that. But in some instances, uh, traditional therapy can be no challenge, you know. And so black and brown populations, the research shows we don't we don't respond to that in general. So a good therapist really should challenge us. But we need to ask ourselves some questions in that moment when we think that we're not connecting. We need to ask ourselves certain questions such as, are we not connecting or am I frustrated because my therapist is challenging me? We need to make sure we, we answer that question. If it, if it is indeed that you are not connecting, then I would recommend aden- identifying where the disconnect is occurring and what the disconnect is occurring around. So where, when, when do I feel like I'm not connecting or when do I feel like we're not aligned? What, what are we talking about when it happens and, and what's happening for me in those moments? What, what's, what's the session like in that moment? And then have a genuine conversation with your therapist about your concern. You got to let your therapist know what's happening. You do. Because a therapist that cares about their client wants to know how they are feeling and they will do their best, absolute best to meet your needs as a client, as long as they're not compromising your safety. A good therapist will do that. They will try to adjust and meet the needs and make the session work for you as long as we're not compromising your safety. That's that's our job. If a client is engaging in unsafe behavior, it's our duty as a mental health provider to address it and take any unnecessary, any necessary steps afterwards. That's our duty. We are bound by that duty. So if you're doing something that's that's going to potentially cause you serious harm, it's our job to address that. That's a safety issue. If you're in a potentially dangerous relationship and you reported to us repeatedly that is almost life threatening or things have happened, it's our job to confront, challenge, and then take whatever necessary steps it is to keep you safe. And generally, most therapists, I know I do, uh, outline that early on the very first session that, hey, this is what, this is really my role and this is what you can expect from me. Now, in contrast, sometimes clients don't connect because they feel the therapist isn't challenging enough. So I've had clients, family members tell me about their past therapist or their current therapeutic relationship where they feel like the therapist just kind of listens, 
gives no feedback, no homework, no challenging work for them to kind of look at themselves and change. Again, in those instances, have a conversation with the therapist. Folks, we have to remember this is a relationship. It's a relationship. It's just a professional one and therapeutic in nature. But nonetheless, it's a relationship. And with any relationship, communication is key. We as therapists are not mind readers. So it's good to let us know when you feel treatment is not working for you. It's nothing wrong with that. It's your session. It's your treatment. Be clear and let us know. Don't worry about offending us because we're your therapist. So we we will manage that situation You just share how you feel. Now, many therapists check in after sessions or throughout treatment, and that is a good time to share if you feel you are not jiving with them during those check-ins. I personally check in after every session, especially if I'm doing CPT, which is a trauma model, cognitive processing therapy. I'll check in at the end of the session. How did it go? What do you think? How do you feel? What could have went better? So during those check-ins, that's a good time to let your therapist know, hey, this didn't work for me, or hey, this isn't working for me, or I like this, I don't like that, okay? Lastly, you can always request a transfer to a different therapist or agency. So worst come to worst, you expressed yourself, you told them how you felt, and you still feel like you're not connecting. You can always request a transfer to a different agency or a different therapist within that agency, okay? But I would recommend expressing your concerns, and giving it some time before terminating or transferring services because it is a relationship. So it might take some time to get to know one another. We're not perfect people. People think therapists are perfect. We're not perfect. We're just, this is what we went to school for. This is our area of expertise, but that doesn't mean we're perfect. So we're just here to guide you, right? So we wanna, you wanna make sure you give it some time. Give it some time to work. But if you do decide to transfer or terminate, don't give Uh, I've had plenty of people tell me they had a bad running with a therapist and they just gave up. Don't give up. Keep looking. Keep looking. You have the uh, tips that I gave you earlier in this this clip. Use those tips. Use those questions. Keep looking. I truly believe that there is a therapist out there for you. That's a wrap, gang. Real talk, real trauma. Don't forget to rate and review us on all of your listening platforms and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And guess what, guys? This episode is on YouTube. Yes, with video. So please check us out on YouTube. We're finally on YouTube. But until next time, stay sane.